הרי אני מקשר עצמי לכל הצדיקים האמיתים של ברנו, לכל הצדיקים האמיתים שוכני עפר הקדוש, אם אשר בארץ הם ממשיכה לרבנו הקדוש. צדיק יסוד עולם נחנו ומקוחו, כמו רבנו נחנו נפגם את שמחה. נא נח נחמן נחמן ואומן זכותו תגן עלינו ועל כל ישראל אמן. ברוך השם, we continue in the second part of סעיף י"ט, אף שפחי הרן, section 19. We left off with the עניין of how uh, this informer of the Pasha, um, who was there as an overseer of, um, of the city of Tveria, came to Rabbeinu and uh, completely subjugated himself before Rabbeinu. ורבנו דיבר עמו בחוכמה ואמר לו שנאה ויפה לפקיד שיתפלל על צרת ישראל ושיהיה חסיד וענב. And רבנו engaged with him in a very unique manner. רבנו was a master at looking at every single person who came to him and engaging with him and conducting with that person specifically with the way that that person needed to hear. With, with what that person needed to hear. רבנו engaged with every single person unique to that person. It wasn't something that Rabbeinu generally uh, gave Torah lessons and spoke to each and every person as a whole in a group like this, Rabbeinu. Even as an audience, even if there was hundreds of people in the room, Rabbeinu would mamash um, speak to each and every person. It was unbelievable how each and every person received from that lesson that was, who was present at that time. Uh, a piece of advice that was applicable to them, mamash, words that mamash were able to inspire them. It was as if Rabbeinu was speaking to each and every person individually. Rabbeinu had a tremendous call for this. And Rabbeinu says, a person in Nikut moran a person must be very careful to make sure not to reveal too much or too little before a person. Because God forbid, even revealing too much to a person, even too much Torah, to a person can be considered niyuf mamash, literal, literal adultery. Why? Because uh, sexual morality is basically when you take the seed of the mind and you bring it to a place which it shouldn't go to. What's wisdom? Wisdom is the drops of the mind. And essentially what you're doing whenever you're giving too much wisdom to a person is you're essentially giving too much excess. You're taking too much drops of the mind to the place in which it shouldn't be brought to. Essentially the same is true of a seed when it's not brought to the proper place. You're taking the drops of the mind and you're bringing it to an improper vessel. So Rabbeinu explains this in more depth in the Kutim Moran. But at a simple level, wisdom and seed are in the same inyan. They both come from the mind. And uh, Rabbeinu says we have to be very careful the way we express ourselves before people. Not to reveal too much, too little. You have to understand who you're speaking with. And this is why it takes a tremendous amount of wisdom to draw people close. Um, we have to, Rabbeinu said it's also a surah to bring certain people close. It's forbidden to bring certain people close. Uh, why? Because some people come from the souls of the Erev Rav. It's very unique stuff. Uh, some people are forbidden to be brought close to the Torah. It's very unique, u- unique things. Rabbeinu mentioned the You have to have a tremendous amount of wisdom and consciousness to speak with people. But uh, even at the simple level that we are at, even without much consciousness at all, we too can also do this in a simple level as long as we pray and we beg Hashem to guide us on the right path so that we give proper and good advice. God forbid, not broken advice. That we shouldn't speak from our own intelligence, but speak from the wisdom of the tzaddik. And with this, we assure that the advice we're sharing is in good hands. But uh, we see that Rabbeinu Mamash spoke to this person in the way that he needed to hear it. This man was pretending to be a chassid. He came to Rabbeinu, this informer who was Mamash, an evil person, who was trying to cause evil upon the city of Tveria. He comes to Rabbeinu and he pretends to be a righteous and pious person. And what does Rabbeinu say? Rabbeinu pretends to... To think that this man, Rabbeinu pretends to know no better, basically. He pretends to think that this man is actually pious. And Rabbeinu speaks with him with tremendous wisdom and he says to him, 
it's it's beautiful, it will be pleasant and beautiful, to this overseer, Rabbeinu speaking in the, in the third person, he's saying, it would be great if you, basically, this overseer, that he were to pray upon the pains of the Jewish people, and that he should be a pious and humble person. Rabbeinu telling this man, it would be good if you're pious and humble. Because Rabbeinu knew that this man was a hypocrite. And he was pretending to be a pious person. And he, spoke, he began to speak with Rabbeinu about words of right, piousness and righteousness. And Rabbeinu himself pretended as if he didn't know any better. Until Rabbeinu convinced this man, this informer, to the point where the informer believed that Rabbeinu Held, um, held him to a high esteem. He convinced the informer to believe that the that Rabenu thought highly of this informer. And Rabenu spoke with him with wisdom, the orma, with trickery. We know that the tzaddik is able to be a trickster with those who are tricksters. Rabenu brings this uh, this teaching from the Gemara in Sefer Hamidot. And uh, we see this with regard to Yaakov and Lavan. Yaakov tricked Lavan. We see that Yaakov, sorry, Yaakov tricked Esav also. Because you're allowed to engage in trickery with a trickster. And Rabbeinu began to speak words that settled upon this man's heart. Rabbeinu began to speak words to this person's heart that this man should accustom himself to start reciting Teilin. Until Rabbeinu told him, like this. With this, I will know that you have no arrogance. Rabbeinu gave him a test. If you are able to recite Tehidim in my house, with all the young boys, with great weeping, then I will know you have no pride. And so it was. This man began to recite Tehidim with great, tremendous weeping and crying before all the young boys. And all his tears were began uh, flowing upon his cheeks. Rabbeinu began to arouse this man's heart for sincerity. Very unique stuff. And we see uh, how Rabbeinu engages with each and every person differently. One time Rabbi Natan and Rabbi Naftali walked into the house of Rabbeinu. And they saw Rabbeinu playing chess with some of the philosophers in Uman. Who later became uh, pretty close to Rabbeinu. In fact, they started doing teshuvah. It's an entirely different story. We won't get into it. But um, Rabenu was playing chess with them. And Rabenu, Rabbi Nathan and Rabbi Nathali asked Rabenu, Rebbe, what are you doing with them? Why are you playing chess? And uh, they were shocked at this. And Rabenu told Rabbi Nathan and Rabbi Nathali, he said, with you guys that build worlds, with them I play chess. What that means, at a simple level we can understand, at a deep level we do not have any conception of this at all. But at a simple level, meaning Rabbeinu engages with each and every person according to the way that he needs to be engaged in. Rabbeinu needs to engage with the philosopher of Uman who have no, no attachment to God whatsoever through chess. Rabbeinu needs to play with them chess to arouse them for God. It's an entirely different idea. And with Rabbeinu and Rabbi Natan, with Rabbi Natan and Rabbi needs to speak with them Torah and stuff like that. Rabbi Natan had no interest in playing chess. But uh, the Inyan of Rabbeinu, Rabbeinu has to engage... Differently with each and every person. One time, uh, 
a young person was staying in Rabenu's house, in Rabenu's room. And uh, this young man, Rabenu was already lying down in his bed. And uh, this young man got up and spoke to Rabenu and said, Rebbe, I want to be an ish kasher be'emet. I want to be a truly upright person. And he started complaining to Rabenu about all the difficulties of the evil inclination. He's telling Rabenu his desire to be a to be a good man, a good person, a upright good Jew. And Rabenu got up from his bed and sat upright and started speaking to him for a few hours in the middle of the night, like this. Till the till the middle of the night. We're talking about the biggest tzaddik here. Getting, lowering himself to speak to even the simplest person about simple about the Tashem. Rabbeinu didn't speak with him words of greatness, of, of Torot, of, uh, of Kabbalah, of Sodot. Of... No, Rabbeinu spoke with him simple words to arouse him to draw close to Hashem in Bach. This is a big, big chidush that we only see with Rabbeinu. Rabbeinu was a unique tzaddik. Rabbi Nathan writes, this is unique even amongst all the other tzaddikim, the other tzaddikim never lowered themselves to this place to speak with simple people in simple terms. It's mamasha nefesh. It's a soul sacrifice for Rabenu to do this. Rabenu, every single moment of his is mamasha unique moment in which he he's he's responsible of accomplishing rectifications for all the world and all the souls. We don't have no idea what he's doing, and yet he's still able to lower himself from all that greatness to speak to simple Jew. It's tremendous. After Rabenu, this man started reciting Lim and cry, etc. After this episode, this this uh, informer fell sick. And nonetheless, even though this man got sick, there were still watchmen placed at the entrance of the city to make sure that the emissaries from outside the land of Israel coming to collect the money from Europe and to bring it back to Israel for the Hasidim in Israel to make sure that this money would not go through. This man had placed a watchman at the, the city gates to make sure no money would be brought to the Hasidim in Tveria. That he warned everyone, he warned the Pasha that uh, there was money coming from Europe to Israel to give money to the Hasidim. But God assisted them. And they concealed the matter from this informer. What, what matter? That they sent the attendant of Rabenu to Haifa. Rabenu, Rabenu's attendant ended up going to Haifa. We're going to see for what reason later. And he, basically, the people, um, Basically, the, the watchman had no idea of this transaction that was happening. Somehow the matter got concealed. And uh, these people, who were with Rabbein, uh, the attendant of Rabenu, ended up going to Haifa. And in Haifa, he accepted the money from the emissaries. And he brought them to Tveria as a messenger. And because nobody suspected this man, he walked right through. He gave it to Rabenu. And Rabenu gave it to everyone and divided the money to the Hasidim. And as this informer got up from his sickness, he boasted that he would cause even more damage to the city of Tariyah. But this man's end was that basically he fell sick again soon after the first sickness and he died this time. He didn't recover. And Rabenu had so much joy over the fact that 
he had the ability, he had the merit to be able to do such an act like this that uh, Hashem Idbach arranged in his awesome mercy that Rabenu was involved with such a big schut, such a big merit to bring everyone back to to Tiberia and not only that, to bring the money to everyone. Because it was through him that everybody returned to the city, and as they returned, they made a tremendous joy and celebration with Rabenu. And Rabenu, and this is a tremendous story, could speak about this for ages. We're about to get to it right now. And Rabenu himself. May his memory be a blessing after this entire episode. He went to the grave of his grandfather, Rabbi Nachman Horadenker. He also rented donkeys and he traveled to all the caves of the great Tzadikim. And as Rabenu came to the cave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, the great Tana, the godly Tana, then the young man engaged in prayer and in learning the Zohar as Rabenu had ordered them to do. As Rabenu was uh, traveling to the cave of Rabbi Shem he was in the cave and he told everyone, read Zohar and engage in prayer. And they did this. But from Rabenu, we didn't see him to do anything. This is a very mysterious story. There's a lot more to it. We'll continue with the words and then at the end of the paragraph I'll share something. From Rabbeinu we didn't see a single thing. Rabbeinu was just very joyful. And uh, every single time, after every single moment, a few moments, he would always go back to his attendant and he would tell his attendant, Ashrecha, happy are you that you're here with me. <laughs> Rabbeinu was, would, would walk around and wander around the cave of Rabbi Shomba Yochai. As everyone was reading Zohar and engaging in tefillah. And Rabbeinu was just walking, nobody knew what he was doing. And he would always come back to his attendant saying, happy are you that you're here. And at night, he went from room to room. And he warned everybody to continue reading Zohar, etc., as we, as we mentioned above. And Rabbeinu himself did not say a single thing. Rabbeinu himself was just humming to himself. He was playing to himself. And Rabbeinu was in tremendous joy the entire day. And as the day... Um, as uh, dawn approached and as the, as the sun began to shine, Rabenu put himself, put, uh, got up in Talit and Tfilin and began to pray for a few hours, for a couple hours. This story, there's a lot more to it. In the story, as I mentioned a few podcasts ago, there's, there's a story passed down um, from, orally from Rabbi Natan, from Rabenu all the way to Rabbi Natan. Rabbi Natan passed it down to his children and then it, uh, it got passed down to Rabbi Avraham um, Sternhant, the grandson of Rabbi Natan, who translated the story, or who transcribed the story in Aramaic, um, so that nobody would get their hands on the story, so that it would not get in the wrong hands. He transcribed the story in Aramaic, the story of how Rabenu went into the cave of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, in which nobody went into the cave before. Rabenu went into the cave himself, 
Because we know we pray above the cave. We pray in the area surrounding the cave of Rabbi Shem But Rabbeinu found the place of the cave. He entered the cave. And in the cave, he woke up the body of Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yochai and spoke to Rabbi Shimon. This story is written down with Forash. Anyone wants to hear the story, my brother David on, uh, on our channel, Breslov, B-R-E-S-L-O-V on YouTube. Rabbeinu, uh, my brother David gave a class of how Rabbeinu met Rabbi Shimon Bar-Yochai. He reads the words um, from the story um, written in the writing of Rabbi Avraham Sterhant. For those who speak French, it's a beautiful class by Nathan Ouzon also on uh, YouTube. Um, nonetheless, this story is a tremendous story, a, a story of reinforcement that I can't even put words onto it. It's so deep. It's so awesome. Um, there, there's tremendous things that happened in that cave as Rabenu literally woke up the body of Rabbi Shem and he has a conversation with him. And there's an insane, <laughs> there's a beautiful thing that it ties full circle, something that I was noticing. How, um, if you look in Sefer Amidot, Rabenu brings an amazing inyan. Rabenu writes in Sefer Amidot uh, something tremendous. He writes like this. He says, when a person wanders in his house from place to place and just treads back and forth, just like walking back and forth, he's able to create a resurrection of the dead. <laughs> something very fascinating. No, I don't know what that means on a simple level, but we see here, how, look at the language of Rabbi Natan, how he's hinting this here. Look at the language that we just read in the paragraph. Rabbeinu went from room to room, wandering from room to room. Rabbeinu was turning back and forth. And with this, he was able to create a resurrection of the dead. Basically, Rabbi Shem Baruchai got up and Rabbeinu had a conversation with Rabbi Shem Baruchai. And it's in this cave where Rabbeinu, among all these tikkunim, these rectifications Rabbeinu received and all these secrets Rabbeinu was told. And nonetheless, all these things that happened in this cave Rabbeinu received the secret of Uman Rosh Hashanah in this cave. Rabbeinu received the secret, uh, the tikkun, the rectification of having people by him on Rosh Hashanah. And how in this cave, in this time, when Rabbeinu was with Rabbi Shem Yochai, Hashem gave him the gift of knowing the essence of Rosh Hashanah. As Rabbeinu writes in Chaim Oran, HaRosh Hashanah Sheli Uchidush Gadol, sorry. My Rosh Hashanah is an awesome novelty. And Hashem Yitbarach knows that this matter of Rosh Hashanah is not given to me because of uh, an inheritance because of my forefathers. It's not in the merit of my forefathers. It's not in the merit of my forefathers that Rosh Hashanah was given to me as an inheritance. It's only that God gave this to me as a gift. What's the gift? That I know the essence of Rosh Hashanah. And it's in the cave that Rabenu was given this secret. May we have the merit to be with Rabenu on this Rosh Hashanah. And we continue. And after Rabenu was at the cave of Rabbi Shem Yochai, he traveled with all the people, with all the young people, to the cave of Hillel. Hillel Azaken, the great Sadiq Hillel. who were the leaders of the Jewish people in the, the first century uh, BCE. And uh, Hillel and Shammai were the last uh, Zugot, the last pairs um, that were over the, that presided over the Sanhedrin um, during the, sem- the Second Temple, during the era of the Second Temple. So, Hillel Azaken, um, 
רבנו גוטס דה קייב אבי הלל זקן, דה גרייב אבי הלל זקן, ושם אמר גם הוא קפיטל למקדימו למדלן, דה רבנו רסיילד דה צ'פטרס אוף תהילים, צ'פטר 33 ותרמנדס שם נפל עליו עצבות, and over there, instead of רבנו reciting the תהילים 33 Um, that's it for today. We see here the custom to read chapters 33 and 34 of Tehidim um, when you get to the cave of Hillel. Chapter 33 speaks about humility. As we know, Hillel was a, was a master of humility. He was merely, really the epitome of humility for the generation. And 34 has all the letters, is uh, in order of uh, the letters of the alphabet. And it's a teacher that Hillel taught everything from Aleph to Taf. Um, so, Baruch Hashem. That's it for today. And we continue next class, Bizrat Hashem, uh, with a third part of uh, Shiv Chayaran, Seif Yutet.